exercising the first, backing it up with the second. Now, back to the guy facing down tyranny, one show at a time. Your host, David Robertson. All right, all right. Welcome back to another edition of Destroying the Narrative. I'm your host, Dr. Doom. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. I do appreciate your time. Man, 2024, off to an interesting start, isn't it? We got a lot of very interesting things going on, a lot of things, a lot of misinformation, a lot of contorted information. But I will say this, I think that in a lot of ways, some of these truths are starting to surface, which is very interesting. It's kind of percolating in the minds of many, and they're starting to ask, not everybody, a lot of people are, well, let's be clear, a lot of people are still very, very much uh, in tune with the agenda, very much aligned with the bigger agenda, which is nonsensical disruption and destruction of the underlying core values and principles of, uh, of this nation. But that being said, some people are starting to ask the right questions, and um, you know they're looking into it. And I think in in some cases, like they're close to asking the right questions, close to asking the right. Which is funny, you know. It takes a while. It takes a while. It's, it goes back to something we've talked about before. If you have a misconception and somebody tells you the accurate information, you're more likely to defend your misconception. And most people are programmed conditioned to to do just that. They want to defend their misconception, keep their worldview relatively simple. Um, uh, in a lot of cases, they'll oversimplify their worldview because it's easier to digest. It's not really their fault. You know, and frankly, it, you know, I, I'd say it takes a lot. It takes a lot for somebody to question. It's a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to question the the narratives that are popular, right? The social proof. And, and that's why, by the way, the vast majority of the people are so easily manipulated, right? Because it's easier to go along with the crowd. So it's very, very hard. I, I feel, frankly, um, I feel bad for people who succumb to popular narrative. Remember, you know, if you want to be wrong, follow the masses. That's just the red flag. If something is popular, I tend to approach it with, um, I don't know, through a cautionary lens. Just because, on principle, the key is in the contrast. If it's popular, it's probably, not all the time, but probably not everything it's chalked up to be. Anyway, there is a point to what I'm saying. Like I said, I, I, I think people are getting close to asking the right questions. There was a, there was a rec- uh, I don't know, I guess an article by Dr. Faith Coleman. And I thought this was great because it does. It opens the door. It doesn't really specifically go down the road. I, I would have liked this individual to go down. But it does open the door to going down this road. I'll read some of it to you. Heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. 
That's true. In the last few decades, though, with advances in the prevention and management of coronary artery disease, the occurrence of heart attacks in older adults has been declining. It's great news. Alarmingly, the occurrence of heart attacks and other forms of heart disease among younger adults, ages 20 to 50, is increasing. The increase in cardiovascular problems in this group in 2020 and in 2021 was so great that it contributed to declines in life expectancy. Huh. Goes on. So what's causing this disturbing trend? There's evidence that, the, that these heart conditions are the consequences of poor food choices and a lack of exercise, which traditionally, by the way, little break here, traditionally is true, right? Poor food choices, misconceptions about what healthy is, a lack of physical activity. Absolutely. Traditionally, that is true. Goes on, says, here's what we know about the signs of heart disease, what to look for, and what to do to avoid largely preventable fallout resulting from unhealthy habits. Heart attacks occur when the heart muscle is deprived of oxygen. Usually the cause is partial or complete blockage of blood supply to some part of the heart. Symptoms in younger adults are the same as those in older adults, including chest pain or discomfort, which may radiate into the arms, jaw, neck, or back, shortness of breath and weakness, or feeling faint. Now, I th- I think, well, I don't know. I-, I hate to speculate, but I think that was strategically written. Because then you have to ask the question, all right, well, what is partially or completely blocking blood supply to some part of the heart? What is depriving the heart muscle of this oxygen? And More importantly, since this increase in cardiovascular problems really kind of began in 2020 or 2021, and it's so great that it contributed to the declines in life expectancy, with that information, you can begin to start asking yourself the right questions. Now, is some of it food-related? Yes. Is some of it exercise-related or the lack thereof? Absolutely. But again, it kind of sets the stage for asking the right questions. Now, what's interesting uh, from a health science perspective, when we think about the things that we consume or don't consume, again, if you want to be wrong, follow the masses, take a look at the popular dietary approaches. Match that with an external insult to the body, right? If you, if you put all that together and you start exploring it. Now, what's funny about this, I've written about it. If you begin to let you start to see some commonalities. You start to see not only prevention uh, options, but also to potential cause and effect scenarios. And all you have to really do is walk it back. But here's the thing. I'm talking about health. The truth is that this is true in almost anything. We're watching a very interesting chain of events occur, not only with our health, but also with our country, with with a lot of things. And what's interesting, I wrote an article, um, and, and by the way, come to your own conclusions, do your own research. There's some very interesting um, insights, but I've given you some pretty amazing clues to come to your own conclusions there. Anyway, 
Oh, and by the way, I should I should mention this. We got to think about the things that cause the inflammatory regarding the health thing, the things that cause the inflammatory response specifically about what's making the blood thicker and stickier. Okay? When we're thinking about the things that and and by the way, this is very much associated with dietary choices, the things that make the blood thicker and stickier, what results? right? What's causing blood clots? Some of it is external insult. Some of it is dietary. And and then you end up with, you know, the clogging of arteries and ultimately heart attacks. There are a lot of, a lot of factors. It's not going to take two minutes to do it. And yes, I'll say that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there that can probably mis- mislead you a little bit. But um, the research is, is definitely... Uh, but remember, the key is in the contrast. Okay. All right. Anyway, so I wrote this article uh, and it published last week talking about the manipulation of chaos for political gain. And I provide, I mean, it's it's fairly long. If you haven't read it, um, maybe you should, but there's more to it. There's more to it. And uh, there are several readers reached out to me about that and uh, had some questions regarding the foundation and some of the mechanisms. So, I mean, of course, we we talk about it every week to some degree, but I'm going to go over the next several weeks. uh, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but over the next several weeks, I'm going to publish a couple of more articles uh, talking about some of the underlying mechanisms, some of the things you need to be on the lookout for. uh, And you can find those articles under the considerations tab. Uh, of the website, or, you know, if you follow every week, you'll get it in your email, which, by the way, if you're interested in getting my articles in your email, all you have to do is go to the website over in the sidebar. You can see a little area to put in your email address, and my articles, when they publish on Mondays, uh, will get emailed to you within about 24 hours of that publication. So uh, there is that. Anyway, a lot of interesting stuff. A lot of things going on. Speaking of health, and I thought this was interesting, um, there is, we're watching, and I've written about this too, this explosion of obesity. And it's really unfortunate. And it's funny because in this age of, I mean, I don't even know what you call it, um, political correctness or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, that you're not allowed to talk about obesity in, in a real way. And, and it's unfortunate. But what's interesting, when you think about business, right, business has to navigate that concept as well. But I find it really interesting. I saw this story in the Daily Mail. Air, airline announces it will now weigh passengers as well as their carry-on luggage. An airline has announced it will begin weighing passengers with the carry-on luggage in order to better estimate the plane's weight before takeoff. The controversial move comes from Finnish carrier Finnair, who told media they began measuring passengers departing from Helsinki on Monday. So far, more than 500 volunteer customers have participated in the weigh-ins. Now, here's the thing. They're, they're getting a lot of backlash from this, but you have to understand that you know we're talking about a very light, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a very light plane. They have to measure fuel, weight ratios, distance, the whole nine yards. This is actually a really responsible move but they're getting a lot of a lot of backlash on this and so what struck me about this because of the backlash specifically 
it occurred to me, and and we've all we've kind of been dancing around this idea for a long time now, but we are somehow for some reason kind of abandoning responsibility, like responsible moves, and and responsibility can be a lot of things, but we're abandoning doing the responsible thing for emotions, for feelings. And uh, I'm telling you, this is sort of a metaphor. It's a dangerous thing to do. Remember, too, of course, that emotion drives bias, um, but then misconceptions. We could, I mean, there's a, there's a whole slew of things we can unpack here. Um, but I think that the abandonment of responsibility and accountability, really, for the sake of emotions or feelings is highly irresponsible. I think it's dangerous. Uh, and I think it's something we should avoid. But this is also true in ourselves. This is also true in ourselves. I want you to understand that there, are, on both sides of the aisle, there are a lot of people who adhere to certain concepts and ideas because it's their side. Despite the fact that we are completely abandoning responsibility and accountability um, for a better outcome. You have to understand that I'm an outcome-oriented individual, very vision-focused, right? Which requires a foundation of core principles and values. And what's interesting is across the board, both left and right are absolutely abandoning core values and principles for the sake of feelings and emotion and contortion and, well, gaslighting and astroturfing and propaganda. And it's very frustrating, we're not taking a moment to step back and go, well, wait a second, what's the cause and effect of this? And it doesn't matter if we're talking about energy policy, fiscal policy, the banking institutions, um, certain laws that infringe upon constitutional rights. I think in a lot of ways, one of the things that we have to do is take pause and say, well, wait a second, what is the potential aftermath of this? And this is true not, I mean, this is true across the board. It doesn't even matter. If we're talking about, for instance, we can go back to health. What is the aftermath? What is the potential aftermath of me participating in this specific activity or not participating in this specific activity? For instance, sedentary lifestyles. You know, what is what is the aftermath of me choosing to go down this road? You need to be acutely aware of the potential. What if I continue to eat anti-nutrient foods? What is the potential outcome? Do you not know? If if not, you need to fill that gap with knowledge. What are the potential outcomes? And again, key is in the contrast. We may want to believe that a certain outcome will occur if we do such and such. But that's not necessarily the reality of the situation. Do you want to be right or do you want to be accurate? If you're accurate, you're going to have a more measured response or idea about what it is you're facing. If your side, and bringing this back to the political side, if your side of the aisle is trying to initiate some sort of law, tax, fee, whatever it is, I don't care, you have to think about the long-term ramifications of that action. If we pass a law that somehow hinders the Second Amendment, What is the potential outcome of this? What is the reasonable response? What is is the dynamic that we're truly trying to tackle here? What is the agenda? There's a lot of questions that should come about 
regardless of the law. I don't even, I use Second Amendment as an example, but it could be anything within the Bill of Rights. And I focus on the Bill of Rights specifically because these are the unalienable rights. These are the things that are supposed to exist in the absence of government. And on both sides of the aisle, we are justifying the complete erosion and sometimes flat-out dismantling of the Bill of Rights for the sake of feelings, for the sake of uh, partisan uh, affiliation or whatever it is. But we, 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 for whatever dumb reason, jump on these bandwagons that is an infringement of this group over here on the other side, but it's, it's supposed to be okay for me. I'll give you an example. I saw it was, it was in social media today. You know, again, people complaining about a statue of Satan on public property. But in the in the in the same vicinity was Christian uh, symbolism, and I got news for everybody. Right, freedom of religion. Freedom of religion means freedom of religion. All right, and 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 in this country, we're supposed to have the freedom of religion. Now, whether you like the religion or not is irrelevant. And again, this is just an example. But if somebody wants to be atheist, they are supposed to be free to be atheists. If they're um, if they're Satanists, they're supposed to be free to be Satanists. If they're Jewish, the same thing. Christian, the same thing. Any sect of the numerous sects of Christianity, same thing. Islam, same thing. Hindu, same thing. Sikh, same thing. And we are supposed to stand up in defense of each other, but we don't do that. Because my side, because what I like, because of my preference, or whatever it is. And we've stepped away from these core principles, and we're watching dysfunction uh, just ooze from our, our very core, and we wonder why. Meanwhile, the government continues to grow well far beyond what it was ever intended to be, Manipulating not only the people but our economy, world, uh, the world stage, and we justify it. Why? Because our person, our rep, our whatever it is. I mean, it doesn't even matter. We are so far removed from where we're supposed to be, and everybody seems to be so confused about what that place is supposed to be in the first place. We are stepping away from responsibility and accountability. We're justifying it. I saw today, just for an example, I saw this. um, It was a video of um, Representative Tom Tiffany and shows up at this Ramada, which is evidently filled with illegals. Right. And the Congress person wanted to see what was going on, to see what it was all about. And Rep. Tiffany was denied access, even though, you know, the situation had shown itself that, you know, look, these are taxpayer dollars. This is this is what's funding. So, you know, of course, he shows up to try to see what's going on and trying to get a handle to, to get a better idea of what was what was going on there. And it was crazy because they denied access to this rep. Well, then the sheriff was called. 
And the sheriff deputy shows up and tries to, you know, say, hey, look, you guys can't be here. And he's like, well, look, I'm a congressman. I'm here to try to 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 see some sort of accountability and so on and so forth. And, well, you know, no, you, you can't do that. You're going to have to call so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. Well, my response to the, I'll, I'll just read you my my response. I said, there seems to be a secret plan or agreement between several entities to perform a potentially unlawful act with clear intent to hinder discovery. We can also see complicit action being taken to further that plan. If only there was a word for this. Well, there is a word for it. Of course, I was being a little sarcastic there, but there is a word for it. It's called conspiracy. But what's crazy about it is that a lot of people aren't going to see it for what it is because of contortions that they have somehow adopted, not realizing, of course, that it's the rule of law or it's not. Well, of course, it's not. We've, we've stepped away from that. Rules for thee, but not for me. That's what that that's the cry of government. That should be, in fact, that should be the motto of government right now. Rules for thee, but not for me. But what's interesting about it is our our supposed representatives feel justified in their actions. They feel like for what but but see, this is the in a lot of ways, this is the result of narcissism uh, and I, idol worship, essentially. That's, and that's what's happening. A lot of people look at these representatives and see them as powerful individuals, forgetting, because maybe they never received the lesson in the first place, that these are supposed to be public servants. They're supposed to be below uh, the lowest of the low. They're, they're, they're public servants. But we elevate them and we 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 turn them into these heroes and 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 for whatever reason we allow them to take crazy amounts of money. And look, we see it exam time after time after time, we see examples of these individuals who are broke and they decide they're gonna run for office, and then within a year or two, they are objectively wealthy. Wealthy. How I mean, and and for whatever reason, we all shrug our shoulders and be like, "Well, that's government for you." Well, that's insane. And the weird thing is, is that we see examples of this in our face all the time. I'll give you another great example. Here's a story from the Associated Press. Kansas is set to nearly double state legislatures' pay at the start of next year, making their compensation better than it is for their counterparts in the majority of states, including more populous ones like Georgia and Texas. Bipartisan support. Both sides wanted it. Who doesn't want more money? Comes from their quote-unquote revenue. But did the people have a choice in this? That's my question. Funny thing is, I live in Kansas, and I don't recall anybody trying to reach out to me and being like, hey, you know what? How do you feel about this? Is, do you think that this is responsible? It's frustrating. Now, look, I'm, I feel like I'm all over the place already. Uh, we are going to streamline here in just a little bit, but this is what I mean. Like, do you want to be right or do you want to be accurate? Do you want justice? Do you really want equality? Because here's the thing. I mean, for crying out loud... 
we're, divi- we're, we're, we're divided to an unbelievable degree, and we're, for whatever dumb reason, we are absolutely okay with that. But I, and, and by the way, completely detached from our core values and principles. Not, not loosely, not somewhat, completely. Now, where do you think that's going to go? Here's the thing. Those core values and principles are what brought everybody together. And for a long time, that's what made this nation so great. That's why people from all over the world would come to be a part of this experiment. Because here, here, there was this sense of equality. And now it's all about the perk and benefit. If you're willing to play this game, you get a perk. If you're willing to play this game, you're going to get a benefit. If you're complicit in in these behaviors to try and make something look normal, even though it is absolutely an abundant, I'm just over the top unconstitutional, you're going to be rewarded for it. And anybody who tries to stand in the way is going to be made out to be a criminal or a bad person. That's where we're at. Now, again, be, be outcome oriented. Where does this go from here? Think about this. We and I've 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 talked about this before. We now live in a country that frowns upon education. Where do you think that's going to go? What is the outcome of an entire generation belittling? It's not even just one uh, generation; it's several generations completely belittling the value of an education, going to get a paper instead of the knowledge. This has been a problem for a while, and when you look around. This is the result. But where does it go from here? What happens next? Where does this lead? Do you think that it gets better? Because I don't. Look, here's the thing. We do have a lot of problems in this country, and there are a lot of people who are suffering. A lot of veterans. A lot of veterans. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I hate to evoke the, the, the veteran comment, but for crying out loud, there are a lot of veterans who this country owes a debt to. But above and beyond that, we have a slew of citizens who did everything the right way, the quote-unquote right way. Which, by the way, is why, specifically, one of the big reasons anyway, why I differentiate between the right way and the right thing. But anyway, so there were a lot of people in this country who grew up, took the indoctrination, took the lesson, whatever it was, and then set out to do things the way that they were instructed to do them. And the citizenry, the citizenry turns their back on them. The government turns their back on them. And it's funny because, you know, you look around, see a lot of people with drug problems and different habits to try to you know, detach themselves from, from reality. I don't blame them. I do not blame them. You got people with chronic ailments that they can't even get a diagnosis on, let alone treatment. You got people who, again, tried to do the right, do things the right way and, and couldn't make it work for whatever reason. And so then they're pushed aside. Well, you know what? Reality didn't work out for them. They want to detach from reality. I get it. I don't I don't agree with it, but I get it. 
And if that's how they want to spend the rest of their life, then so be it. But I'm telling you, like, we're really, really, really jacked up. And the funny thing is, is that people get so hyper-focused on this one little thing over here, this one little thing over there, and they don't look at the broader picture. So when I talk about the fall of the United States, you have to understand that I am talking about an unbelievably broad set of circumstances that highlight that what happens next is not good. Because it's not just this one issue here, and it's not just that one issue there. It is a very large picture of dysfunction. And this dysfunction leads to dysfunction, which leads to dysfunction, which leads to demise. That's not even, that should not be controversial. That should be a matter of fact statement rooted in cause and effect that is easily recognizable. The question again is what has changed to make it better? Most people can't answer that question. Here's a better question. What has changed to make it worse? Everybody can pretty much come up with a handful on that one. And that's sort of the point. Right? So we're adding to the problem bucket on the daily. We're not exactly adding to the improvement bucket at all. But... Your, your representatives are sure benefiting. And the funny thing is, again, the misdirection should be our biggest clue. The misdirection should be our biggest clue, and that is the one thing that most people are conditioned to not see. And it floors me because it's not exactly hard to see. I'll give you a great example. It's like this border crisis. Right? There is so much misdirection and nonsense wrapped up in that topic. It's 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 hard to know where to even look, but the clues are very much there. And don't don't think for a second that it's an accident. It's not some natural phenomenon that just happens. This is a deliberate thing. But the funny thing is, is that the nuances of that problem, so you can look at the bigger problem and then you start to see it as a political thing. Oh, it's left and right. It's a left and right issue. No, it's, it's well, I mean, it is, but it's, it's so much more than that. The things that are masking and covering it up are convoluted and confusing. And I get that. I do. But that's all the more reason why you got to dissect it and look at the fibers. You got to be, here's the thing, you got to be a forensic researcher almost. And I know that that's a problem for a lot of people because the game's on and Taylor Swift is there and whatever else. But, but here's the thing, it's a choice. You can choose to be that forensic researcher who understands the gravity of the situation we face, or you can be blindsided by it. But either way, we're heading down a very specific road. And the clues are there. They're not always... Well, it's sort of like how I opened up the show. That was why I opened up the show the way that I did, because sometimes the vital clues are staring at you in the face. But we miss the forest for the trees. It kind of goes like this. I go back. I, I love this example, right? We became a country in 1776, right? Our first president, evidently, was George Washington, 
who became president in 1789. And most people just do not question whatsoever the gap in between. What happened, what was written, what was talked about, who was in charge. Nothing. So they miss a whole bunch of very important conversations, a whole bunch of very important documents, a whole bunch of very important people, and a whole bunch of very important context. Vital context to understand the influence of the people who wrote the documents that we're supposed to be subscribing to. People who specifically, by the way, researched guys like John Locke and Machiavelli and Rome and Athens, etc., etc., etc. The influence specifically. It, it cracks me up. Like there was a there was a conversation I was in probably about a month and a half ago. People were talking about the architecture of Washington, DC. Like, well, I don't understand. You don't understand? It was a clue. It was supposed to be set as a reminder of influence. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, not if you don't have the context. There's a story in uh, Next Shark. Dr. Phil suggests Chinese migrants crossing U.S.-Mexico border could be spies. Renowned TV personality Dr. Phil McGraw has suggested on Fox News that some Chinese migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border could be spies. Nobody's... Look, it was on the news, briefly, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about that. If they're talking about the border, they're talking about Mexicans. But they're not talking about the unbelievable amount of non-Hispanics that are crossing the border. I mean, just a, it's alarming. I'll, I'll just say it that way. It's alarming. And the idea that you know, that they're spies. Of course, they're, they're going to be spies. They're going to be militants. And it's not just the Chinese. We're talking about individuals on the terror watch list, people from different areas of the world that really hate Americans. But we're not focused on that. Nobody wants to talk about that. Not entirely, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but very few want to talk about that. We get all wrapped up in, in well, popular narratives. And we're not seeing the forest for the trees. But again, I, I, I just I have to ask, what happens next? What happens next? Where do you think this goes? What happens when you dilute an entire nation of its core values and principles? When, when, when you think about decision making, right? Let, let's, let's pretend that everybody in the country right now could vote on something. What happens? when you dilute the decision-making process with those who are not beholden to the core values and principles, what happens next? It's not hard. So you got Dr. Phil talking about Chinese potentially spy migrants. And still, this is Dr. Phil, and still... That's not what you're seeing in social media feeds. Nobody's talking about it over the water cooler. The government's definitely not talking about it. Isn't it interesting that those who are, you know, should be talking about it are somehow beholden to the nations being discussed? I mean, isn't that weird? 
And it's really interesting, too. And I think I've talked about this before, but I'm telling you, it just trips me out because this and this is the political divide. This is the political divide. This this is exactly what I'm talking about. The right is very concerned about the Chinese. The left is unbelievably concerned about the Russians. And both seem to forget that the Russians and the Chinese are colluding. And I've demonstrated that, what, week after week after week after week for 20 years? That's what blows my mind. Meanwhile, Americans are not thinking about America. Americans are not thinking about the longevity of our home. And it floors me. We're not willing to call a spade a spade. We're not interested in responsibility. We're not interested in accountability. We're not interested in validation. We're not interested in any of that. We're interested in contortion, feelings, emotions. Where do, I mean, where do you think it goes? You know, something else that I thought was really interesting, and maybe we will see something about it, you know, again, the left, well, I guess the left and the right were all really interested in Tucker Carlson having a conversation with uh, Vladimir Putin. Which, by the way, I want to I want to comment on that. It's a little, you know, I'm not getting into the war stuff yet, but I do think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I've studied Vladimir Putin since I got into literology. I guess I'll give some context just in case you haven't seen it. So Tucker Carlson flew to Russia, have a have an interview with Vladimir Putin. The left was really upset about it. Mainstream media talking all sorts of garbage. The right trying to defend it. Everybody's, I think, really kind of confused. But anyway, seeing seeing some comments about it, people were talking about, oh, you know, Vladimir Putin's, you know, 30 minute conversation about history you know he's losing it. Why would he do that? Why would any leader do that? And I'm, I'm that, I mean, it just floored me. I'm just watching all of these people completely miss what Vladimir Putin is is saying, what he's truly trying to convey. I wrote in one of the comments. I said Putin's history lesson should raise some eyebrows. A leader versed in that country's history shows a deep connection with its core principles. This understanding informs their vision, goals, choices, reasoning, authority, tactics, and in this case, their determination. I think that what you saw was prelude. You know, but upon some critical reflection, I started to think about our leaders. Right? Well, I could also probably throw in conviction. But then I started to think about our leaders. I started to think about our citizens. How many of our citizens, how many of our leaders are versed in our country's history or have a deep connection with its core values and principles? Not many. And this is sort of like what I talk about. You cannot support love, defend, or exercise something you do not know. But it also kind of speaks to the conviction necessary to preserve it. How hard are you willing to fight for something you just loosely understand? Something you 
largely forgot about because you you covered it for a day in the fifth grade. And I do think you saw Prelude. And and here's a better question. How many of our leaders or citizens care about our history or having a connection with its core principles? Not many is the answer. That should scare all of us. Anyway, one of the things that I thought was interesting that uh, isn't really being discussed, and like I said, maybe Tucker's going to do something with it later, I don't know. Evidently, uh, Tucker Carlson met with Edward Snowden. You know, like I said, I don't, I don't really know what's going to come of that. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Something else that was interesting. And I, I man, I wrote, I wrote a comment about this, too. You probably heard that Joe Biden, uh, unfortunately, was. Well, here, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll read this. All right, so this comes from The New York Post. President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials, which is illegal. And that was according to special counsel Robert Hur, found in a bombshell report released Thursday, though Hur recommended against criminal charges in part because a jury will uh, might well view Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory. Now, what is that? Think about what that means. Think about what that means. Here's a story in the Daily Mail. Biden's own Department of Justice said he has diminished faculties and a faulty memory. Classified Docs Probe reveals he left Afghan files next to dog bed and garage, forgot when his son Bo died, and couldn't remember when he was vice president. Think about what that means. Again, what happens next? Where are we going? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Because we don't like the other guy? Look, John Adams made it very clear that there has yet to be a democracy that hasn't committed suicide. I got to be honest with you, in a lot of ways, this is what's happening. Now, there are a lot of media reports already, already trying to justify. This is why Trump was charged and Biden wasn't. All the all these emotionally based reasons. Again, it goes back to accountability. It goes back to responsibility. It goes back to what are we doing? What are the core principles? Rules for thee, but not for me. What are we doing to ourselves? And more importantly, why are we doing it? It's got to stop. Because again, what happens next? If we continue to go down this road, what kind of a country... Are we going to have? Do you want to live in that type of country? What happens next? Where are we going? Why the heck are we doing it? It's it's one of the, the most convoluted Abilene paradoxes ever. We're all going down this really stupid road, going to this really stupid destination. None of us really want to go there, but very few uh, nobody of, of massive influence, anyway, is standing up to say, well, wait a second, do we really want to go here? No, we don't. So maybe we should stop it. Just a thought. 
completely shredding the Constitution at every turn. Our core values and principles, most people don't know. And now we watch political targeting. And we either justify it or turn the cheek. What are we doing? Calling each other terrorists and I'm mean, just, oh my gosh. And we're getting business involved. We're getting banks involved. We're getting government involved because we don't like the other. We don't like the viewpoint of the other side. There was a story. What is this in racket? A few weeks ago, Ohio Congressman Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan's office released a letter to Noah Bishop, former director of the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, an arm of the Treasury Department. Jordan's team was asked if Bishop for answers about why FinCEN had distributed slides prepared uh, by a financial institution detailing how other private companies might use MCC transaction codes to detect customers whose transaction may reflect potential active shooters. The slide suggested the financial company was sorting for terms like Trump or MAGA and watching for purchases of small arms and sporting goods or purchases in places like pawn shops or Cabela's to identify financial threats. Folks, again, nonsensical. If you look at active shooters, you look at mass shooters, look at the statistics involved. Who are they? Where are they from? What are they doing? And you'll find that the people who are being targeted in as of late are very much not the people who are doing these things. It's not even hard to figure out. But you know what? We're just going to continue to go down this road. And really, at the end of the day, both sides need to understand that all you're doing is handing more power over to a centralized government that is ultimately going to hurt all of us. But it could be argued that they already are. And that would be a really good argument. You know, it's funny. I don't care if you're left, right, middle, off the map. I don't care. I don't care. As long as you don't infringe upon my rights or attempt to infringe upon my rights, I don't care what you do. As long as you don't infringe upon the rights of another, I'll say it that way. I don't care. But for whatever reason, the vast majority of this country has no problem whatsoever infringing upon the rights of their neighbor. Because I don't like it. And so we ask, like idiots, we ask our government to step in and regulate it. They're going to do it. 100%. They don't care. Absolutely. You're going to give us more power? Sure, we'll do that. <clears throat> and they do. And they take the power. And they wield it irresponsibly. Speaking of finances, though, it's almost like I know what I'm talking about. Starting the Washington Times, retailers flee cities as unarmed security public authorities fail to curb thefts. Why are thefts increasing? Some of it has to do with a lack of accountability. Some of it has to do with economic hardships. Unarmed security staff's inability to keep employees and merchandise safe is driving away workers and shoppers in big cities with soft on-crime policies. Why are we being soft on crime? Where does this go from here? What happens next? 
We watch it. You see the videos. People being assaulted in the middle of the street. Cops being assaulted. Just because. Where does this go? What happens next? I just, oh, it's so frustrating. And there's confusion. There's absolute confusion. You know, if you look in the mainstream legacy media, they're telling you that things are great. Things are solid. Things are looking so good. Things are looking up. No, that it just, again, week after week, demonstrating without a shadow of a doubt that that is absolutely not what's true. Was it CNN business? This is what's so funny is, again, the, 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 the clues are there. Story out of New York, CNN. Wall Street is experiencing a case of deja vu. It's been nearly a year since the collapse of three U.S. regional lenders left financial institutions and regulators scrambling to prevent the spread of a banking crisis. Today, investors are worried they're back on familiar territory. But while the last crisis was all about interest rate risks, this one revolves around the $20 trillion commercial real estate market. Commercial being the uh, key word there. Now, they're going to point to a lot of different things. They're going to say, well, you know, people are moving because of theft. <laughs> they're getting out of the town. We're, we're, you know, it's, it's a problem, which, again, is part of it, but it's not, the, it's not the whole. You point at everything you want. I don't even care. But it's the holistic side of what we're discussing here that ultimately leads to where we're going. And again, what happens next? Why is the real estate market suffering so much? The commercial real estate, sorry. We get asked the question, why is it that when we think about functional unemployment, why is it at 22.9%? Why are you being told it's 3.7? Or 5.7, I guess, depending on what number you want to look at. Why are you being contorted? Why can't we just call a spade a spade? And here's the thing. You're being told left and right, like this week is a great example. S&P 500 closes above 5,000 for the first time ever, not just fifth straight winning week. Everything's great. Everything is awesome. Stocks are on the rise. S&P 500 rose. NASDAQ composite rallied. Dow Jones Industrial Average slipped a little bit, but it's still doing pretty good. Record high. Wall Street bulls run wild. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's true. But it, but but the funny thing is, is I, I you know, I said it was going to happen. Why is it going to happen? Because it's a part of a pattern. It's a part of a cycle. It's a cycle. That's the funny thing about economics. It's a lot easier to gauge the economic uh, cycle than it is some of the other cycles that we talk about on this program. Legendary market profit has warned that the S&P 500 could crash 30% to a three-year low. U.S. economy is barreling towards a recession this year, and the buzz around Bitcoin and artificial intelligence is massively overblown. Now, I don't agree with the the AI part. I think that's... that's um, that has tremendous potential to do all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a disruptor. It already is. Maybe it is overblown, but I, I believe that the potential, call it a hunch, the potential for it to be a pretty big disruptor 
especially in alignment with uh, robotics, is definitely there. But either way, either way, you got uh, Gary Schilling talking about a 30% drop in the stock market. Now, the thing is, and, and this is one of the things I, I've really got to emphasize, and I've, I've said it before, it's one of those things where you hide and watch because here's the thing. They've said the quiet part out loud. I don't think they meant to. Or maybe they didn't understand what they were doing. I'll read you this story from Reuters, New York. Robust U.S. economic data is confronting investors with an unexpected question. Whether strong growth can keep driving stocks higher even if the Federal Reserve delivers less monetary policy easing than the market had hoped. Uh, expectations that the Fed would pivot to cutting rates since stocks soaring at the end of 2023 and push the S&P 500 to a record high in January. The index is up 4% this year after surging 24% in 2023. Now, as promised, listen to this next paragraph. The narrative has been jolted by evidence that the economy may be running too hot for the Fed to cut rates without risking an inflationary rebound. Friday's blockbuster U.S. unemployment number was that the latest sign of stronger-than-expected growth after Fed Chairman Jerome Powell days earlier deflated hopes that the central bank would begin lowering rates in March. It's exactly one million percent exactly what I said was going to happen. You're going to see that boom. They're going to use it as an excuse to say we can't do this. We've got to double down on our policy, etc., 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 and things are going to continue to go where they're going. Now, what do you think that's going to do for the S&P 500? It was being pushed. It was elevated because they were saying, well, all right, um, Fed's going to pivot. They're going to cut rates. So it starts to boom. Oh, we're not going to cut rates. Well, all right. I guess it's not going to boom anymore. It's funny because it's, it's not even that hard to figure out. But that's the stock market which is not a really good indicator of how we're how we you and I are dealing with our lives. But the funny thing in uh, funny thing is again the clues are there. There's a story in the LA Times. For Americans who lacked savings, which was by the way a good portion of the population before the pandemic, financial stress is rising. So for those who don't have savings, financial stress is rising. Why? A combination of inflation, increased interest rates, and the end of pandemic tide relief, which, by the way, was gone a long time ago, they're still using that as an excuse, has led to record credit card debt. In the fourth quarter of 2023, Americans held $1.13 trillion on their credit cards, and aggregate household debt balances increased to $212 billion, or 1.2%, according to the latest data from the New York Fed. Delinquencies are also on the rise. Now, all of this stuff is on the rise. They're doubling down. They're not going to cut. What happens next? That's all you could look. In like the vast majority of the things that we discuss... All you have to really do is say, okay, well, what happens next? And then what? And then what? And then what? Using Occam's razor, right? Simplest answer is probably the right one. Each time you do that, it's really easy to project where you're going and why you're going there. 
Indeed, average credit card balances are up. It is at a record, and consumers are falling behind on payments. Do you think that that's going to result in a lot of defaults? Uh, probably. And then you're going to have to deal with a credit uh, rating issue and so on and so forth. And think about this. A lot of people with bad credit have a hard time getting jobs. This is, again, it's that systemic situation that a lot of people just for whatever dumb reason don't want to pay attention to. Credit card debt increases by $50 billion to a new record high. Credit card debt in the United States increased by $50 billion in the fourth quarter of 2023 alone. Latest report released Tuesday found total credit card balances stood at $1.13 trillion by the end of December. That's insane. And again, delinquencies are going up. But it's not even just that. Credit card balances, the balances are up 46% since 2021. Household debt, again, $17.5 trillion. And here's the thing. According to MarketWatch, credit card and car loan delinquencies are at their highest point in more than a decade. So it's not just credit cards. It's also the car loan. Well, guess what happens if you don't have a car, right? Is getting to work going to be a bit of an issue? So maybe you lose your job because your car is in default, right? So they repo your car. You lose your job because it's across town. Your credit's all jacked up because your credit cards are delinquent. Your car loan is delinquent. So Maybe there is a job that's close to your house or apartment or whatever it is, but it doesn't matter anyway because you have poor credit. And you're not going to get the job because they're going to see that as irresponsible. What's this person going to do? Well, probably needs to feed their family anyway. They might just resort to crime. So we're going to see an increase in crime, which, of course, as we've seen, is going to put pressure on the various stores. The co- all you have to do is walk through the cause and effect. The weird part is, again, the, the things that are being focused on, I just, I think, are really irresponsible. The, the, the problem, the, the, the core of the problem, just for whatever reason, people don't want to talk about. Again, you got to think about cause and effect. If we're going to double down on policy that resulted in this in the first place, where do you think this is going to go? And, and here's the other side. Again, um, what? here's the biggest clue. <clears throat> here's the biggest clue. Borrowing is on the rise. Borrowing is on the rise because savings have been eroded. And if you recall, we talked about this several weeks ago. People are coming out of retirement. People are tapping into their IRAs at an alarming rate. So the debt level is rising. More creative types of borrowing are on the rise. The auto sector is in trouble. The credit card sector is in trouble. The housing market is in trouble. Commercial real estate is in trouble. And they're going to double down on what it was that caused all this anyway. That's why, specifically, I think that the Keynesian economic nightmare is spiraling into its inevitable uh, end. Now, I brought up housing. Here's a story in Newsweek. Housing market sales crash amid real estate recession warning. 
It's safe, quote, it's safe to say we're in a real estate sales recession, Wig said, commenting on the data. National Association for Realtors said that existing home sales were down. Sales dropped 6.2%, blah, 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 blah. On an annual basis, existing home sales fell to the lowest level in nearly 30 years, while the median price reached a record high of $389,800 in 2023. You see what I mean? Like, So the symptoms are there. The symptoms are there. But here's another. Here's the story in housing world. Mortgage delinquencies increase for second straight quarter. But anyway, yeah, here's another story. Associated Press. A record number of Americans can't afford their rent. Lawmakers are scrambling to help. Why? Why can't they afford it? Crisis fueled by rising prices from inflation, a shortage of affordable housing, and at the end of, pan, uh, you know, of course, the end of pandemic relief. Let's see here. Latest data from Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies <clears throat> found that a record high 22.4 million renters house, uh, renter households or half of renters nationwide were spending more than 30% of their income on rent in 2022. That's in 2022. It's going up significantly. What else do we got? Let's transition here a little bit. 20 nations join Russian payment system, ditch U.S. dollar for the BRICS. Uh, coinciding with the BRICS overall de-dollarization plans, 20 countries have adopted the Russian payment system to ditch the U.S. dollar. Russia says its alternative to SWIFT already has more than 159 foreign participants. For the BRICS alliance, finding a way to challenge the Western payment system has been a key aspect of its infrastructure. Subsequently, Russia's system for transmitting financial messages should be that alternative. Indeed, Russia, central bank governor, have no idea how to pronounce that, announced a recent BRICS discussion watcher, Guru reported. Uh, story goes on, but basically, so again, that's just kind of what I'm talking about, been talking about for a while. Significant. So again, I, I, I just, look... I'd be remiss not to say that it is vitally important that you, well, again, I'm not your financial advisor, I'm not your dad, I'm just somebody on the internet, but for crying out loud, anything that you can do to prolong your viability in the case of an economic downturn would probably be a benefit. But the reality of the situation isn't pretty. Now, you're going to continue to see, I'll just, uh, here's, here's my prediction. You're going to continue to see some people in high places make a lot of money. But that's not you. That's not you. Now, while that is problematic and that sucks, it's the reality we face. Beware of the contorted numbers that try to convince you to continue to do the things that you've been doing for a long time. You're probably going to have to readjust your living habits. Another thing I would say, this is just a general statement. Don't allow your possessions to possess you. Adjust accordingly. That being said, this is happening rather quickly. I think I've demonstrated that time and time again, but it makes sense because we're 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 at the end of one cycle 
one part of the cycle walking into the next. And what's interesting, and I've said this before, you'll watch a very interesting overlap as this unfolds. It's just going to be time and time again. This week, we saw a lot of very interesting things that illuminate, or we could call it um, highlight, the reliability of the cycle that you and I have been talking about for the last 20 years. And that's where we're going to transition into the war stuff, because, again, the big five in the news overlap all over the place. Start with a story from the Associated Press. The United States is increasing its urgent military aid to Guyana as neighboring Venezuela's threats linger. U.S. is pledging to help Guyana buy new aircraft, helicopters, a fleet of military drones, and for the first time, radar technology. There's another story in the Wall Street Journal. Venezuela is backing up its threats to annex part of Guyana and secure access to some of the world's largest oil finds in more than a decade by moving light tanks, missile-equipped patrol boats, and armored carriers to the two countries' border in what is quickly turning into a new security challenge for the Biden administration. Deployment, visible in satellite images, made public Friday, and in videos recently posted by Venezuela's military and social media is a significant escalation in Caracas's attempts to obtain some leverage over its neighbor's newfound energy reserves. comes despite a written agreement reached in December between Venezuelan president, the Guyanese president, that denounced the use of force and called for a commission to address territorial disputes. But, like in true dictator fashion, agreements don't matter. Never ceases to amaze me. I look at the news every week and I'm floored at how accurate that model was so early on. And again, it's just time and time again. There's another story, Associated Press. Iran vows to keep backing Hezbollah during regional tensions linked to uh, Israel-Hamas war. Iran's foreign minister vowed after arriving in Beirut on Friday to keep supporting the militant Hezbollah group, saying Lebanon's security affects uh, that of Iran and the region. No bones about it. Of course, they're going to continue to do that. Here's another interesting story with a whole bunch of overlap. This comes from Newsweek. China, Iran, and Russia opposed to conduct a joint naval exercise in the coming weeks aimed at bolstering regional security, as announced by the Iranian Navy commander, Rear Admiral Sharam Arani. In a statement on the exercise, Arani said, the primary strategy of the Iranian Army Navy in the current situation is to safeguard its interest and economic resources of the Islamic system and its people, referring to growing tensions in the Middle East, which started after the beginning of hostilities between Israel and Hamas on October 7th, 2023. Strategic timing of the exercise coincides with heightened tensions in the Middle East, particularly heightened by the U.S.-led coalition recent airstrikes against Houthi targets in Yemen. These strikes, reaction to the Houthi attack on commercial vessels in the Red Sea, aim to diminish the capabilities of the Iran-supported group, further complicating the region's security landscape. Again, the overlap is real. Moscow released some $9 million in frozen assets in exchange for North Korean weapons. Here's a story. NATO's Secretary General called on Europe to increase its armed production to support Ukraine and prevent potentially decades of confrontation with Moscow in an interview published by German media on Saturday. Here's another story. Russia could attack NATO's state in three to five years amid 
faster arms buildup, Danish intel says. New intelligence shows that Russia is rearming faster than expected and could attack a NATO country within three to five years. Now, what's interesting about that, again, we were told repeatedly. Right now, uh, there are tons of drone individuals in this country who are like, yeah, this thing over here, Ukraine, whatever, it's crippled Russia for years and years and years. That's justification. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Now, they are rearming, and they're getting more arms and weapons from other countries, and their collaborations with these other countries, the Big Five specifically, are ensuring that they're squared away, and they're ensuring that their partners are squared away, and that's what collaboration looks like. Story in the Independent, Norway must brace for conflict with Russia amid Sweden and Finland's NATO bids, warned Defense Minister. Norway's defense minister urged his country to be ready for the possible conflict with Russia even after the end of Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. He said Russia might retaliate in response to Finland and Sweden's new NATO membership. Other NATO nations have also explicitly warned of Russia's aggression and plan to dis disrupt peace in the region in the, in the past few months. The idea of this escalating is, is really just in a lot of ways getting started. And it's it's not just there. There was a uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, where is it at? Here it is. Story out of Newsweek. Amid uh, the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war, a Chinese newspaper warned on Sunday that the North Atlantic Treaty Organization could expand the conflict into a world war. High tensions between Russia and NATO have seemingly escalated in recent weeks after the military's alliance announcement last month of its largest military exercise in more than 35 years. And then remember, we were talking about that, Steadfast Defender uh, 2024. In a Sunday opinion piece titled NATO is Pushing the Russia-Ukraine Conflict Toward a World War, published by the Global Times, nationalistic English-language tabloid published by the Propaganda Department of the Ruling Communist Party noted NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg's recent visit to the United States in which he spoke about the readiness of NATO along with the investment in aid and defense. Quote, clearly, this is not just about NATO seeking funds. This is a clear preparation of public and uh, uh, clear. This is very important. This is a clear Preparation of public opinion to expand the Russia-Ukraine conflict into World War Global Time Opinion Peace Red, which is very true. They're shaping public opinion for a very specific outcome, which is very predictable and easy to project. So now China is conducting what they're calling a backroom campaign to secure naval base on the western shores of Africa, which, of course, the United States sees as a threat. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of back and forth there. Of course, this has been going on for a couple of years. We've talked about this before, but now it's getting a little bit closer down the line. It looks like it might actually happen. China might get their second base on the western side of Africa, which, of course, is going to put them within a stone's throw to the United States, really, in a lot of ways. And this is particularly interesting, considering that China now has the largest navy on the planet and has the ability to do it and the money and influence to, to achieve that end as well. And then I'll go ahead and close out today's show with this. I thought this was interesting. This actually comes from DNYUZ. Why some insiders fear this is the year North Korea will fire its nukes and his most, most intensive dive for power over the Korean peninsula since his father's death more than 12 years ago. North Korea's Kim Jong-un is mounting a blitzkrieg of weapons tests and rhetoric. 
His goal? To convince both his own people and his enemies that he'll risk a second Korean War to reunite North and South Korea under one-man rule. Buoyed by his relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin, again more that overlap, Kim is shipping artillery shells and missiles for Russian forces bogged down in Ukraine while spreading fears of a grand plan to take over South Korea. Kim's big talk, his decision to give up all pretense of dealing with South Korea above all his dedication to a nuclear program capable of inflicting mass death from Northeast Asia to the United States, has experts forecasting more and bigger weapons tests on top of unremitting threats. But you'll notice that things are continuing to kind of gravitate and progress to what seems to be this bigger thing. And all four fronts, let's be very clear about this, all four potential fronts are in the news or are already actively seeing conflict. What happens next? That is the question. Where do we go from here? Now, is there a potential that all sides could come to their senses and be like, you know what? We don't want a war, and we don't want to destroy the dollar. We don't like seeing Americans suffer. So, you know what? We'll back off. You guys continue to do you. Try to get your house in order. And, you know, we'll we'll revisit this later. I'm guessing probably not. I'm guessing probably not. But what do I know? Question with boldness everything, including the things that I tell you. Friends, that does it for me. Be sure to check out the website, dmrpublications.com. Again, I've got some pretty good articles on the way that are going to provide some some very interesting context to some of the things I've written in recent weeks. Be sure to check that out. Don't forget to sign up to get that delivered to your email. That would be fantastic. We'll see you back here next week. Until then, take care.